Something that still surprises me to this day was how unproductive Michigan State's offense was in 2022. And I think it will be much better entering the 2023 season. But before we get to 2023, I want to give some background information. In 2021, Michigan State was 39th in the country in points scored per game, scoring 31.8 points per game. Of course, the best player on the offensive side of the ball that season was Kenneth Walker, who is now a running back for the Seattle Seahawks, and in my opinion was snubbed of a Heisman Trophy award, or at least a Heisman Trophy appearance at the conclusion of the 2021 regular season. In 2022, the offense scored 24.4 points per game, which was 92nd, 92nd in the country. The best player on offense was wide receiver Keon Coleman, and while he is no longer with the Michigan State Spartans, he is not in the NFL. Unlike Jaden Reed this past season, and unlike Kenneth Walker before him, star players who went to the NFL, Keon Coleman transferred out of the program to go to Florida State to play alongside of Johnny Wilson at wide receiver and Jordan Travis at quarterback, along with Jaheim Bell at tight end, and with overall a much more talented and equipped roster for success and also for his own profile. His own NFL profile will get boosted because he is a much better quarterback, much better offensive line, and overall a much better offense to work with. Plus, Keon Coleman is going to be playing in the ACC, so he's going to have a much easier schedule than Mel Tucker will have at Michigan State which means more catches, more receiving yards, more receiving touchdowns, more national attention for Keon Coleman. Michigan State took a nosedive in offensive production from 2021 to 2022. A lot of it, of course, was Kenneth Walker leaving, and I thought the offense would, in the running game, take a step back. But I thought with Peyton Thorne returning, along with Jaden Reed, Trey Mosley, and Keon Coleman emerging, along with Portal Editions' Daniel Barker, at tight end, along with Malik Carr, some portal additions along the offensive line, and at running back with Jalen Berger and Jarek Broussard, I thought that the offense would score probably around the 28 to 30 points per game mark, and I thought the passing offense might even take a step forward, granted everyone was healthy, the tight ends and wide receivers were properly utilized, and Peyton Thorne had a great preseason. I thought the run game, however, would take a step back, but I was very high on Jarek Broussard. None of that was true. None of it. Jarek Broussard did not even crack 500 rushing yards, and Jalen Berger and Elijah Collins split the running back one role. Tight ends were not utilized properly whatsoever, and neither were the wide receivers. And the wide receivers couldn't even stay healthy for the whole year, because Jaden Reed suffered an unfortunate injury that sidelined him for a few games in the first half of the 2022 season. Also, Peyton Thorne looked much worse, especially early on. Whether it was the Western Michigan game, whether it was the Ohio State game, the Minnesota game was his worst game of his career with only a 9 that's right, single-digit 9 quarterback efficiency rating and a 100 passer rating. Whether it was the Ohio State game, 
the Maryland game. He just did not look good. He didn't. He had poor protection. He had no run game. All the pressure was on him, and when all the pressure was on him, he could not, he couldn't do anything. He was powerless because of the situations Jay Johnson and the void left by Kenneth Walker put him in. Now Peyton Thorne is also gone from the program. He moved on. He has transferred to Auburn, and he is going to be competing with Robbie Ashford, a dual-threat quarterback whose skill set is nearly the opposite, is perpendicular to Peyton Thorne's, and they'll probably sharpen each other and both improve each other in preseason play and help Auburn have a good quarterback room under Hugh Freeze in 2023. Michigan State now has Noah Kim at quarterback. Noah Kim had a 200 passer rating this season. He had three passing touchdowns, 174 passing yards, and he had a 94.9 quarterback efficiency rating. He appeared in games against Akron, Minnesota, and Ohio State, passing for a touchdown in each of those matchups in garbage time, granted, but he completed 73.7% of his passes, never got sacked, and all in all, he had 19 passing attempts, and playing against Ohio State and Minnesota backups on defense is like playing against most starting defenses, if not above average or good starting defenses in the Division I FBS level. 6'2", 185 pounds, according to ESPN. This is his profile from last year. So he's tall, has a good frame, he's rather athletic, and he is currently a junior. So he does have another year or so of eligibility with the program. This will not be a one-year wonder with Noah Kim. It won't be. There will be time to build him up. And by time, I don't mean he's able to be as bad as Peyton Thorne was this past season or as disorganized, inconsistent, but that he'll he'll have a track record for growth. This won't just be a one-year Band-Aid on a bullet wound. He could be a long, somewhat long-term solution. It's not like he's a sophomore or true freshman who's highly talented, but it's not like a, a backup senior, redshirt senior, who's been there for several years is getting his first start either. Quarterback, there's also Caton Hauser and new incoming player Sam Leavitt. At running back, running back is the interesting part. We're now getting into the depth chart, of course, here. Comparing where Michigan State was from 2023 to 2022. Running back Jalen Berger stays. Jarek Broussard left for the NFL. Elijah Collins left to get a starting role at Oklahoma State since Dominic Richardson left from there. Come in Nathan Carter from UConn and Jaron Mangum from South Florida. Carter appeared in only four games in 2022 and rushed for nearly 500 yards. And he has some speed, some electricity, and some physicality to him. I think he's going to start and be the number one running back for Michigan State this season. Tight end is loaded. Malik Carr, who's a junior and transferred in from Purdue, of course, before the 2021 season. He'll be the starting tight end. Tyneal Hopper, Jalen Franklin, and Adamola Falei. Those are the other three incoming transfer tight ends. There's also Jack Nickel, a, a redshirt freshman. Tight end, I think, is one of the deeper spots on the roster for the Michigan State Spartans. There are four tight ends who have starting experience. I expect tight ends to be 
utilized heavily in Michigan State's offense this season. Wide receiver, speaking of other receivers, Trey Mosley and Monterey Foster are really the only significant players who returned from 2022. Foster had over 100 receiving yards. Trey Mosley had around 300. Christian Fitzpatrick, Jaron Glover, Antonio Gates Jr., and Alante Brown, an incoming transfer from Nebraska. Those are four other receivers who should get some playing time. This will be Mel Tucker's worst wide receiver room, in my opinion, that he has had since he began his tenure in the COVID year at Michigan State. Now, of course, when you have Jaden Reed starting at wide receiver, along with Jalen Naylor, Keon Coleman, whether that's 2020, 2021, 2022, those three guys started at some points during that stretch, you're blessed to have just one of those kind of guys in your wide receiver room. Trey Mosley could be that player, that X-Factor wide receiver. In 2021, he had 530 receiving yards and three receiving touchdowns. In 2022, he had 359 receiving yards with four receiving touchdowns. He actually got the same amount of targets, 35 receptions in both 21 and 22. The difference was... This past season, he only averaged 10.3 yards per reception. In 2021, he averaged 15.1 yards per reception. And that goes to show Peyton Thorne not having as good of a game, along with just some schematic issues. Michigan State refused time and time again to target receivers, to utilize deep receiver rooms, and instead... What they opted to do was absolutely criminal and try and run the ball and run the ball down people's throats. Now, I think that this season, that's more likely to work than it was last year. And here's why. Let's look at some returning production. And let's start actually with protection, because I was leading into talking about the offensive line and I want to finish there. Chris Kapilovich, the offensive line coach, who has had to deal with injuries, who has not been the greatest developer, but who has been a great recruiter in terms of the offensive line. And with many other things as well, Mark D'Antonio not caring about the offensive line after 2016 and Mark Staten doing a, a terrible job recruiting there. All things considered, this offensive line is underrated. It's under the radar. And that's mainly because of experience. I don't think any of these guys particularly have a high upside, though I do love Nick Samak at center, G.D. Duplain, Gino Van Demark. Those are the three projected interior offensive line. I think that there's something to them, whether it's from PFF rankings, whether it's due to the fact that Samak and Duplain both have plenty of starts and snaps over the past two seasons. Combine that with Brandon Baldwin and Spencer Brown, who have the same designation and experience level there as well. I think that this offensive line will be the best in the Mel Tucker era. So it's the inverse of the wide receiver room, which I think will be the worst of his tenure. And that will help the run game for sure. It'll really help the run game, especially a solid interior offensive line. Michigan State last season only ran, listen to this, this this 
is jaw-dropping, eye-popping. They only ran for 3.8 yards per carry. And despite that, they had 16 rushing touchdowns. So 3.8 yards per carry, 1,356 rushing yards, 16 rushing touchdowns. You can look at statistics and just get a gut feeling that they were already forcing the run when it wasn't there, especially in red zone situations. And then you watch the games and your suspicions are confirmed. They would run on first down, run on second down, sometimes even run on third down, punt, or they would pass on an obvious passing situation. And sometimes it would work, sometimes it wouldn't. And punt. Or they'd occasionally get in the red zone, or they'd get in field goal range, and sometimes make the field goal, but also sometimes miss the field goal, even if it was inside of the 10-yard line. Um, Thanks, Ben Patton, against Indiana. All in all, the offense was a disaster. It was a total disaster, and it, it really was because mainly of the run game. The run game did not help because it made Michigan State obviously one-dimensional. And when you looked at play calling, it felt like Michigan State was trying to be one-dimensional. It felt like they were trying to be one-dimensional on the ground with a ground game. And really they weren't. They had more passing attempts than rushing attempts, but they only had 258 pass completions as opposed to 361 carries. And they had 412 attempts, and in what I view as a better world for Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker, there's probably 450 or closer to 500 passing attempts, and you subtract that 40 or 90 extra attempts from the ground game, because the ground game never worked. It only worked against Akron and Western Michigan, neither of whom went bowling, and both were MAC schools. The run game didn't work against anyone else. It worked okay against Wisconsin, okay against Illinois, okay against Indiana, but that was it. Against Michigan, Ohio State, Minnesota, heck, even Washington, who was not known for their defense last year. They will have a great defense this year, though, with all that returning production, and with year two under Kalen DeBoer and his staff, the run game could never be put together. But with a better offensive line, I totally think, totally, that this team will be able to run the football, period, amen. Will there be a Kenneth Walker? No. I think if there is to be one, I think it will be Nathan Carter. I don't think it will be Jalen Berger. And if you ask why, look at his game film. He's a good running back, better running back than I could ever be. However, I would like to put him more in the, if we're making a Kenneth Walker in 2021 comparison, I'd more so put him in the Hassan Haskins category than I would put him in the Kenneth Walker category. He's a power back. He's strong. He does have speed to break away big runs when he has open space, but all in all, he's just a bigger, more physical back that you want to use in power situations. Nathan Carter's not just big, but he's also fast and he's electric. Jalen Berger does return, though, and you also got to remember Jaron Mangum, who's the brother of Jaden Mangum, who's a, a player on defense who was recently recruited and joined Mel Tucker's team 
in the 2022 preseason. Jaden Mangum is a free safety, and he will be a sophomore this season. His brother, Jaron Mangum, played football for South Florida and had a successful career there. Now he's at Michigan State with Nathan Carter and Jalen Berger. So the rushing attack, deep running back room, a running back room that I think will be deeper than last year's. And not in theory, or not in talent, but just by proven results. The 2022 running back room was sorely disappointing. It really was disappointing. I mean, Jarek Broussard did not even cross the 500-yard mark. Jalen Berger, I didn't think he was going to cross 1,000 yards, but with how disappointing Broussard was, you would think that Elijah Collins or Jalen Berger would do something. Nothing ever materialized in the rushing attack. This and the protection is what I expect to take a big leap in the 2023 season. And part of this is not just because of the improvements here, but because Jay Johnson has proven, along with Mel Tucker, that they want to run the football. So any improvement on the offensive line and in the running back room is going to produce more results than improvements in the passing game, because Mel Tucker wants to run the football. Jay Johnson, they they want to have a typical Big Ten identity. They're not looking at Wisconsin. They're not looking at Ohio State. That's not what Michigan State's trying to emulate on offense. They're not trying to change the game like Wisconsin or slowly, slowly evolve into the most modern NFL offense that there is with Ohio State, where they just have NFL players at every skill position, still develop good offensive linemen despite not recruiting at an elite level there, and they have had consistently some of the best quarterback play since 2019 when Ryan Day took over. That's not what Michigan State is looking to do. Maybe it's because they know they don't have the players to run that offense or they don't want to take the risk of changing the identity entirely, but they do like to run the football. And I think that improvements you see on the offensive line and in the running back room is going to show. The interior of the O-line especially, I think, supports this. When you look at the interior of the offensive line, all three of those guys have 200 or more snaps in the 2022 season. All of them have a PFF grade of 65 or higher. The tackles have been graded lower. I will say that PFF's grading system is something that I use, I don't use religiously, but I use it to really just point things out, if I'm being honest. But Nick Samak, I like him at center a lot, and J.D. Duplain and Spencer Brown have plenty of experience, and they have appeared in some honorary mention or preseason Big Ten lists so far on the offensive line, and I can totally see it. I think that this line will be developed, disciplined, and they seem to be healthy for now. So we'll see where this all goes. Finally, to conclude with the passing attack, Michigan State returns wide receiver Trey Mosley and Malik Carr, and they add one wide receiver and three tight ends through the transfer portal. The passing attack we have already covered, and because I'm mainly focusing on the run game, because I think the run game is Michigan State's identity, the run for Michigan State helps set up the pass. This is an Ohio State where the pass helps set up the run, which sounds weird to say, and I think Ryan Day himself is going to be moving toward a 
more of a run-heavy, run-heavy for Ohio State standards kind of scheme because of how good their interior O-line is. It's elite, might be one of the best in the nation when you look at interior O-line, and the running back room, if healthy, could be the best in the nation. So it just makes sense that a, a wise offensive mind like Ryan Day and Brian Hartline would see that and utilize that, especially with issues at tackle a new quarterback. And a wide receiver room that is great and is elite is still going to be used, too. So balance is key, and I think Ohio State and Michigan State, while not sharing much in common, will at least share that in common on offense. Michigan State will be light years behind Ohio State in offensive production, but Mel Tucker is just looking to build something, not maintain. The expectations of these two programs are, are different, and they should be different. Mel Tucker is having to do, do something that Ryan Day has not had to do. Now, I think Ryan Day is a better head coach, but Mel Tucker is building still. Michigan State's still rebuilding. They're still progressing in the college football world. Ohio State, there's not much more to do to progress outside of just win with the talent you have. They're already recruiting top three. They unanimously have the best offense and will probably have the best or one of the best offenses every year when you combine overall talent, points per game, efficiency, and performance in big moments into one. They probably will have the best offense more years than not as long as Ryan Day is there and as long as Brian Hartline is there. But to get back to solely Michigan State, what should you expect in 2023? I have some predictions here. I think that Noah Kim will pass for close to 3,000 yards. Because Michigan State likes to run the football and because the wide receiver room is the worst it's been in the Mel Tucker era, and while, as you can see on the screen, that I think tight ends will be more utilized than they ever have been, we know, we know that Jay Johnson and Mel Tucker, they're not big, they're not big on the passing game. They use it when they can, especially play action. Remember all the flea flickers in the 2021 season, which made most of the big plays, most of the long passes, fourth down conversions, play action. That was Michigan State's mantra. That was their scheme in 2021 when it came to the passing game. Without a Kenneth Walker, that's going to be harder to do, but I think the passing game will take a step forward, and Noah Kim will have similar, maybe a little worse, or exactly the same statistics that Peyton Thorne had in 2021. He'll be a good quarterback. I think that he is in the top half of Big Ten quarterbacks, if not the middle of the road for Big Ten quarterbacks in the 2023 season. I have him as my seventh best Big Ten quarterback, and that's saying something. It says that, A, I think he's middle of the road, top seven, like I just said, but also remember the Big Ten quarterback room this season is deep. It's deeper than it has been in quite some time because Michigan has an, a great quarterback, almost said elite, but I'm just going to go with near elite until proven otherwise. Kyle McCord, while I don't think he'll be elite like C.J. Stroud or Justin Fields, at least in year one, partially because he doesn't have the same mobility, or I don't think he has the same high upside, he will be a near elite quarterback. 
him or Devin Brown, whoever starts. So there's two near-elite quarterbacks there. Talia Tagovailoa has that near-elite potential. Same with Jeff Sims, Drew Aller. And I think all of those guys will be great or good quarterbacks. Tanner Mordecai is proven to be a good commodity there. Noah Kim, not so proven, but he competed with Peyton Thorne. He looked like he had the highest upside out of all the quarterbacks in the spring practice. And he was efficient when he played last season. And Cade McNamara at Iowa, another player who's good, doesn't turn over the football. And you also got to remember Hudson Card at Purdue. Nathan Kaliak-Manis, who is very athletic at Minnesota. Luke Altmeyer at Illinois. Northwestern even got an upgrade at quarterback with Ben Bryant. Indiana got Taven Jackson. Rutgers will be starting Gavin Wimsatt. There are plenty. The, the Big Ten quarterback room, almost every team probably has improved at quarterback. Almost every team, I would say, is probably going to make an improvement at quarterback. When it comes to Jeff Sims, when it comes to Talia, when it comes to Noah Kim, maybe even Drew Aller, we'll have to see. But those are gonna those players are at least gonna play at the level of the previous starter. And Sean Clifford in 2022 was a good quarterback, top 25 in efficiency. Peyton Thorne toward the end of the season or in 2021, whichever year you think Noah Kim's floor is still anywhere from an average to above average quarterback to good. Jeff Sims, comparing him to Casey Thompson, he's much more athletic. We'll see if he can get the passing game together, though. But all in all, I think that you got to expect a good passing game. Nathan Carter, I think he will rush for 800 or more yards, and the Spartans overall will rush for around 2,000, which will be much closer to the 2021 year than the 2022 year. Here's the difference. It'll be largely rotational. Nathan Carter will get the most carries. Jalen Berger will get close to the amount of carries that Nathan Carter does. Jaron Mangum, he will get occasional carries. But there will be a three-man rotation to get this team to 2,000 rushing yards, I think. And then combining that with the offensive line, which I think will be the best and deepest the Spartans have had since their playoff run in 2015 in a tight end room that I predict will make up about a third of the total receiving yards or more, just because there's four quality tight ends who can catch the football, who can block, and all of them transferred to Michigan State for a reason. I think all of them are going to get some kind of playing time, but we'll see. This offense should be a big step forward compared to the 2022 unit. It'll be much closer to the 21 unit than the 22 unit. That's for sure. So if I think this, and if you're a Spartan fan or you're a college football fan and you've watched my videos, you know that I have Michigan State going 6-6, six and 4-5 six, and five in conference. So their record will be closer to the 2022 season, but their performance will be closer to the 21 season, which sounds kind of weird to say, but I'll explain. I'm not low on their defense, so that's not the reason. I think their defense will actually be... I said this last season and was wrong. The 21 defense was better. I do think this will be Mel Tucker's best defense of his tenure. Here's the difference. Michigan State was a wizard. They were awesome in close games in 2021. They did not play any close games in 2022. The middle ground of that 
and with the fact also that Michigan State will probably be facing three or more, potentially four if you add Iowa along with Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State, this offense will be facing multiple elite defenses in 2023. The 2021 unit faced Michigan's defense, which was weak in comparison to, I think, Michigan's defense this season. They had Aiden Hutchinson, David Ajabo, but they still had many weak spots. They were a near elite, elite, great defense. Overall, the offense this season has such a tough schedule, and it's not even just on the offense. They face a team like Washington or like Ohio State, who they don't have a reputation on defense, but their offense is just so great that for the Spartans, they have to be perfect on offense to beat these teams. So the offense is going to have a tougher job. They're going to have less of a margin for error than the 2021 unit did. And with all of this to say, they are going to have a higher floor than the 2021 offense. They'll be better at the lines of scrimmage on the O-line. They'll be better, I believe, at tight end. They might even be better at quarterback, not statistically, but from an actual developmental on-the-field process. But they won't have a they won't have an elite player. They won't have a generational talent at running back, nor will they have explosive wide receivers, which is why I think they will have a lower ceiling. They will be a more balanced, less polarized version of the 2021 offense. And unfortunately, combining that with a strong schedule with a plethora, there I said it, elite, a plethora of elite defenses to face, it will be hard for this team to finish with, let's say, eight, nine wins unless the defense or the offense is radically better than I think it is because their schedule is just that tough. It is really one of the toughest. I think it's the toughest schedule in the country. Michigan State could go 6-6 six and six, or they could have that identical 5-7 and seven record like they did in 2022 and be much closer to the performance level of that 2021 team. But because the schedule is that much tougher, at least what I think, we won't know how tough the schedule is all in all for sure until the end of the regular season and really the end of the season period when all the bowl games have concluded. But that's what I think. I think this offense is going to take a big step forward. I think quarterback, running back, tight end, O-line will be better. Wide receiver, I think, is what's going to be the weakness for this offense. Thank you guys for watching. Hope you have a great day. Please like this video, hit that subscribe button, and comment your thoughts on Michigan State's 2023 offense down below. Thank you guys for watching, and I'll see you around. Bye-bye.